Who doesn't need a little self-care in the cold winter months? Glow with Red has got you covered. From scented soy candles, satin hair scrunchies, African black soap and raw shea butter, just to name a few of their amazing products. Follow them on Instagram at glowwithred underscore official and slide into their DMs to place your order. How about this? Use our discount code RANTMUCH10 and get 10% off your total order. This offer is valid from the 30th of June to the 14th of July. Glow with Red this winter. Your best friend in self-care. Rant much, rant much, Hey guys, it's your girl Naya and Tuli, and we're back for another awesome episode of Rant Much a podcast for black girls that talk too much. If you haven't already caught up on this amazing series, please, please, please do so now on Spotify, on Apple, on all of the other platforms that, you know, podcasts are. But that's neither here nor there. At this point, you should know who we are and what we do. But, Tools, let's give them a a little debrief. How you been? How's your life? That's our (laughs) check-in. I'm okay. I'm good. Uh, South Africa is in flames at the moment, Uh, so we are just trying to keep our heads above water as much as we possibly can. Um, Yeah, 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 it's it's a tough space to be in uh, between the pandemic, between our socio-political climate. It's just an absolute mess right now. So, yeah, I'm all right, given the circumstances. I'm blessed, I'm privileged, and... um, yeah, I think uh, that's also important to acknowledge in a time like this. But yeah, how are you, Naya? How was your week? Um, I can't say that. I, I can't say that about the country right now. It's it's not great. I mean, America's America. Um, but um, I had a terrible, terrible um, allergy flare-up last week. And so my whole life was turned upside down for a minute there that was not ideal that was not fun um and then I'm just I'm constantly working y'all so it just feels like I don't know Mm. like Tuli and I talk about this all the time it's like you're working consistently to keep reaching your goals right and to get farther along in your career and sometimes you don't know if your work is for not or if it will mean anything but you just keep working Mm. even still you know like that's the grind of anybody who wants to be successful in life um you don't know if it's gonna work but you just hope one day it will so that's that's where i'm i am i feel like the little ant in the colony working all the dog on time and just praying and hoping that it all works out um yeah and you've got like six million jobs so i can imagine how tired you are i have (laughs) one and i am tired like and i think lockdown is also a mess because like i'm indoors all the time in this tiny apartment yeah that's real between my desk and my bed and my bean bags <laughs> and that's all i do <laughs> yeah it's a I mess i think what makes it a little bit better at least for me at, like this weekend what made it slightly even better was like even me going to my mom's house like they have a deck and a pool so like me mm. laying on the deck in the sun like i don't know it just like refreshed me i was exhausted but like the sun hit me and you know some air and I did some cartwheels on the lawn type thing and put my feet in the water and all of a sudden I felt like a whole brand new person and that was nice because that's times. definitely me that was definitely times. so yeah yeah a change a change of scenery is always good even when I go home it's always like it's always a good time it's always a good time uh, yeah but anyways let us jump into today's episode as you guys can see in the title of today's episode we are joined by a guest yet again as you know we have a guest every episode of this particular identity crisis series and we are joined today by candace chirwa hey 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 hey, hey now how you doing aka (laughs) the minister of menstruation okay if you don't know now you know that's (laughs) our period (laughs) menstruation (laughs) that's our menstruation (laughs) candace how are you and introduce yourself let our audience know a little bit more about you 
Yo, let me start with how I'm doing first. Like, I am living and breathing through the deep wound that is also known <gasps> as South Africa. I am Ooh. in a dark place mentally, and it's also known as South Africa. Like, oh. you know, yeah, I'm okay. You know, I'm just smiling through it. I'm literally just smiling through it. What can we do? What can we say? Um, mm. Besides besides the wounds, um yeah i don't know i don't know i always i struggle to like introduce myself like this is something i've been telling like my family and friends lately like i just never know how to introduce myself because i usually have people do that for me and i'm just like i don't like i don't know how to say like i'm just like hey i'm candace and i'm a menstruation activist and i do pretty dope stuff so yeah you know like I mean, come on Candice, with all with all these credentials my girl you need to know how to introduce yourself come yeah. on you didn't work for these credentials for nothing i know the thing is i've worked i've worked for the credentials so that i can have people introduce me so i don't need to do it myself anymore oh which minister have you known that said yeah i am this 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 their ministers are introduced before they do their work so i've gotten to that point now where you know people can introduce me (laughs) no i'm not i need to introduce myself (laughs) no i'm totally joking um on the real though, um, I'm a menstruation activist, um, author, TEDx speaker, um, academic, a lover of coffee and Netflix series. Yeah, I'm just a <laughs> love that, or, love that. I'm just an ordinary human being, just doing really cool stuff that involves educating people about periods. Yeah, period. love that. Period. Period. <laughs> so I have a question. Am I allowed to ask questions yeah. as early in the game? I feel like Go it's ahead. your podcast. I don't know. I feel like you awesome. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so for our listeners who are like have a similar brain as me, my first thought was, what exa- exactly is a menstruation activist? Like in yeah, my head, yeah. I, I know the words go together, but like, right? What what exactly is that from your you know from your side of the world? I mean, a menstruation activist is really just a person who normalizes a natural and biological function because society has viewed it in a very negative light. Um, So that's essentially the work I do. Besides that, I mean, I do menstruation workshops where I educate young people about the biological process, but also demystifying the myths around it because I think oftentimes from our personal experiences, we've heard about periods but we've mostly heard the negative around it so we've heard like you know you cannot Mm. cook on your period you shouldn't touch a boy on your period and the work that i do really seeks to just empower those who menstruate and those who don't menstruate to learn about what it is and also just to honestly just remove the shame around it i i just still to this day don't understand how we can still as a society not feel afraid if i drop toilet paper but if i drop a tampon the other person who sees a tampon should is embarrassed for me no don't be embarrassed Mm. it's a natural Mm. thing you know so yeah yeah, Yeah. that's the work that i do (laughs) and i think particularly in africa the work that you do is so 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 important i mean Mm. i'm not too sure what the narrative around periods is around the world but i know Mm. that in african societies it's definitely seen as like a shameful thing girls don't go to school on their periods Also, if you look at, like, our government and just, like, the distribution of sanitary pads and, like, just stuff to make that period of your life easy, you know, it's basically zero. It's so shameful to ask for a pad in in class, Mm. you know, and Mm. that's, like, in your normal, like, suburban schools. I can't even imagine what Mm. that context is like in a township context or Mm. in a rural context so the work that you do is extremely important in Thank an african you. context actually. and i mean this is the rant match podcast so i feel like i need to rant about something i saw Period. today so like go off sis i'll go, go off, off. i'll go off so you know the whole like situation right now in south africa is that um we're having unrest um at the moment it started off initially as you know let's protest for a man who looted in this country and was corrupt and now people took that opportunity to uh take or rather i i I don't want to use the word loot because the situation in south africa right now is that we're experiencing high levels of inequality and poverty that people are really desperate to make sure that they can feed their families and households yeah what really hurt me today was seeing the um, young girls run into stores to get sanitary pads. 
Yeah, and it was yeah. it was just so telling that we've just gotten to a point in this country where you know we've done so much work in just trying to highlight the need of period poverty that young girls are not trying to loot to get the latest iPhone or loot to get mm. the latest you know watches or whatever they're getting necessities necessities oh, wow. that should be free and that yeah. really really broke my heart because it was like there's nothing wrong with that you know like yeah there's really nothing wrong with something that you need is as much as you need toilet paper so true, yeah true, true. Uh, we need we need to end period poverty once and for all Absolutely. but i know the episode's not about periods i know there's something else <laughs> we're going to talk about which is very refreshing so you know let's build i was team. actually about to say like this is definitely a different topic for you to delve into because i think mm. you know the you you're you're constantly about menstruation and periods and that you're doing beautiful work in 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 south african communities about it but today we have you on for a different reason yeah Today, we are talking about xenophobia in South Africa. We're talking mm. about um, particularly African people, children who live in South Africa, who've experienced forms of you know, xenophobia and othering in the borders of South Africa, right? Yeah. So for our non-South African audiences, I don't even know where to begin to explain to you the um, just the disparities in Africa amongst the different countries. So South Africa um, becomes a, a, a melting pot, if you will, of mm. you know many um, foreign nationals who, who who immigrate and come to South Africa for a better life, for you know better schools, better you know job opportunities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, whereas South Africa is mad impoverished it, itself and mm. does not have you know basically you know enough resources for anything for you know even just south africans themselves right mm. and yeah. because we have a government that tends to you know be on the shady side of life um we yeah. have issues like unemployment you know service delivery etc cetera, etc cetera. and I, I i can't ex actually map back when xenophobia started quote unquote because i don't know if there was like a start period i do know though that there was a time where the media was covering it you know louder than we'd ever seen it before and if i'm not mistaken it was around 2008 and i was mm. in primary school at the time mm, and it was really the first time that we had heard you know or you know heard the amplified voices of foreign nationals in south africa who are being mistreated by south africans mm. right mm. so from things like foreigners are stealing our jobs right mm. because south africa's unemployment rate is very high so south africans sit at home don't have education are not able to get jobs and foreign nationals in my experience of foreign nationals and my friends like their parents their uncles their aunts they're willing to do every single job and yeah. they're willing to do it for whatever you're willing to pay them because they're going to yeah. work their way up and they're going to make a life for themselves mm -hmm. whereas south africans have a very different kind of understanding of what they are entitled to in you know this south africa it's my south africa and i deserve this that and the next and so i'm not going to work as a gardener and i'm not going to mm. work as this and that mm. and so that becomes you know foreigners are stealing our jobs it becomes mm. foreigners are stealing our women um there are other communities where there's the stigma that nigerians are drug dealers and so yeah, it's Lord. foreigners are selling drugs and so yeah it, it it's a lot and uh if you will, please go and do your own research on xenophobia and xenophobic attacks in South Africa. Just to get more context, I'm really just um, summarizing it and paraphrasing. Um, and this is why Candace is here. So Candace, <laughs> give us a bit of context on you. Yeah. Uh, firstly, where are your parents from? Yeah. Where were you born? And what do you identify as in terms of your nationality? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it's so interesting that we're having this conversation today. Um, in the conversation I was having with my manager later t uh, earlier today, she was like, I really want you to put your heritage on this bio. And I was a little bit conflicted because, yes, mm. I am South African, but I am first-gen South African. My parents are from Malawi, right? Um, mm, okay. So it was, it was weird for her to say, let's put Malawian South African on your bio to say Candace is a Malawian mm. South African who is a you know because mm. I can already imagine the sort of judgment that I will probably get 
from people who had received my profile and saying, mm. so who's this like foreigner trying to like, you know, come in and do work? And, you know, like I, in my head, I was just, I was afraid. And she's like, well, no, mm. I, I think what, more than anything, what you need to do is you need to flaunt your heritage and flaunt the fact that you are a first gen South African. So you're, te- you're legally South African, but you also mm-hmm. cannot mm-hmm. cut off your roots. You cannot cut off your background. Like your parents, came here for job opportunities, right? I mean, my dad, very privileged in that he was able to go to the UK, study, then got a job offer um, at one of these African institutions, worked for a bit, was able to send both his kids to like, you know, very traumatizing, emphasis on traumatizing Model C schools. Oh. <laughs> Those we'll come back to Model that. We'll get there. We'll come back to that one. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think for me, it was just it was just something that I, I really had to just unlearn the the fear that I have of my own heritage. You know, like mm-hmm. I love flaunting the fact that I'm Malawian when it comes to telling people about it, especially telling my partner about the specific, um, you know, cultural traditions we have to go through when we, when we do decide to get married. But when it comes to now putting it out on social media, I think I get so afraid because I've seen the, the, the xenophobic attacks. I've seen how people would say, oh, look, here's another person taking over this, you know? Um, and I've yet to go and proudly put it out there to say, I am South African Malawian or Malawian South African. Um, because I'm, I'm also just like cautious to know what people are going to think of me as saying, oh, but he has this other politician or this wannabe activist trying to take more jobs. from You know, like it's a lot that yeah. I think that I have sort of experienced through the other stories of my family members and also through what I've seen on social media that has just made me deflect my own mm. identity. And that is that is that is sad. You know, like, yeah. it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But completely understandable. Mm, you know, yeah. being a South African, um, it, it's weird. It's weird that you would feel like you coming out, <laughs> if I should say loosely, as a Malawian South African would be something that might threaten, you know, you in some way or another. And, yeah. um, and it's also, very, very understandable. Like, you're also born and raised in South Africa, from my understanding of the story here. So I think what's interesting, especially on my end, is, like, I know there's at least xenophobia here in America. I, from my understanding, it is slightly different if you're born here. You know, like, it's Mm. almost like, Mm. that's my family, but my experience is different because I have the privilege, privilege of saying, like, I was born here, and then there's all of, like, the documentation and other hardships of like Mm. oh like in terms of college like I can apply for scholarships but my cousin might not be able to right like yeah type thing whereas like what I'm hearing you say is like there's still a lot of trauma around the fact that even though you may have been born in South Africa there's still this fear like that doesn't Mm. save you from the from the fear right it it doesn't protect you because people still see you as a foreigner quote unquote Mm, mm. and I think my my, my go-to image is always the xenophobic attacks that happened in 2008 of the burning mm. uh, man, you know. I was literally mm. in grade seven. I was yeah. on my way to school. And I think being in a school where you had to assimilate to be the most whitest of white, even though I had the darkest skin, was just really telling to me because it was like, you know, the most thing I can just say is I am South African, but, you know, um, I also get why in certain cases my dad also then opted to give my sister and I, you know, probably the most whitest names he could have given us, you know? Like, I think of it and I'm like, is it just really a thing of like, oh, you know, you really loved these names or was it really just to make sure that your kids could adapt to like could adapt or die you know they needed to survive Um, and it really was just exactly i mean i experienced that form of trauma through my friends who have the simplest of names like tato cananelo um Mm. you know and you hear people butcher their names so you can imagine Mm. mixing that up with a uh, 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 with heritage saying well you know I'm Malawian and 
I'm here in this country and with Model C schools, oftentimes what happens is that they would say, well, you should be so grateful because there's so many people who have died or would fight to be here. And they're like, really gaslight you, oh, you know? Lord. I mean, I had yep. a friend who was from Democratic Republic of Congo, right? And her name was Tavina, yeah. Tavina, like easiest name. But the amount of gaslighting and invalidating she would get in terms of her experiences, because her parents literally fled the country to make sure that their children had a better life, right? Mm, but she wow. would then also experience some form of trauma being in Model C schools to say, well, you know, look at you coming into our country and now mm -hmm. taking extra space in this school when they could have gone to some random other kid you know like mm. you really go through a process of trying to fight the system the, like the racist system uh, as a black woman then trying to fight the patriarchy as Yo. a woman and yeah. then you're also just trying to fight like <laughs> the xenophobia it's yeah. it's it's a triple burden essentially or should i yeah. say quadruple because it's black woman and then no it's yeah foreign three yeah. triple it's a triple Dude, burden it's yeah. a lot your nationality lot. your race and mm. your sex all in one yeah that's it's a lot Dude. It's but a lot. Can, I mean, for those of us who don't know what a model c school is could you explain that for our non-south african audience <laughs> <laughs> wow um model c schools are essentially like a microcosm of heterosexual, racist, patriarchal, I don't know, I don't even want to know, mix it a bit with like some boys want to experiment with jungle fever institutions. What? Like that's literally like what <laughs> Model C schools are. It's like a whole, yeah. like as Tully said earlier, melting pot of just all the negative isms and then you have to flourish as a black person but then assimilate um and you therefore have to turn off your identity um so i mean there's this there's this there's this joke my friend and i make um he's actually created a playlist on apple music it's called um a black iub um what is a trauma playlist essentially it, it essentially <laughs> speaks to the fact that as black students we couldn't ever play like our music we always had to listen mm. to your calvin harris's your david gators oh, you know yeah. and although oh, although we, we 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 can say in high school we hated it but a part of us being an ib black student really low-key enjoyed listening to the songs but because you know <laughs> you you can't really you, you had to assimilate but not assimilate fully right so yeah yeah, yeah, it was just, yeah. <laughs> and i mean <laughs> in all of that, you are struggling with your own blackness, yes. whether you are South African or not. Exactly. You're in this weird field of like, mm. I am black in this school. I am the blackest of the blackest in this school. Yes. Because I will never be like them. I will never look like them. But exactly. when I go home, I am a model C child. I am a right. coconut. I'm an Oreo. I am, you know, wow. learning the white man's English. You know, surprisingly, so in I had... terms... Yeah, yeah. I had the reversal of that experience where at the Model C school, I was a coconut Oreo because, like, of my accent, because of my name. Yeah. Um, and then when I got wow. home, it was like I was at least able to do simple things like watch black television and enjoy mm. it with my family or listen mm. to, like, our, our Malawian music or African music and not feel guilty about it. But the moment you did it at that school, like, I remember if you wanted to play at the time was it like burner boy or um you know any other up-and-coming african artist oh my goodness like what are you doing you're you shouldn't exactly. be playing that music on the sound system the most exactly. you could play is like mendoza or yes um maybe <laughs> sister bettina but like that's pushing it now because you don't want it pushing to be it. too ratchet because you yes. know there's some form of Oh, gosh, guys, I'm I'm triggered. It's but, a yeah. mess. It's, it's a mess. mess. It's so a it's mess. not so inner in city. It's more like suburbs, like yeah, high schools. Yeah. These are like the high so, schools. So basically, like just in layman's terms, Model C schools, after apartheid, after Bantu education, after black people were then allowed to enter Model C schools or to integrate mm -hmm. with white kids, 
they okay. were Model C schools, right? So these are better schools, schools that are not found in the locations or in the rural areas. You know, okay. the, cool. those were the better opportunity schools, right? And now we're starting to integrate. So my mom, for example, was one of the first black girls at Collegiate College in Port Elizabeth. So she was like the first group of like, okay, blacks are now allowed, right? Mm, and so okay. the whole concept of Model C schools is that it is better you know, you want to send your child to a better school, better meaning white, right? Either run yeah, by white people. Yeah. It's a very, you know, like the syllabus is very white, very colonized, white teachers, white peers. And it's mm. just kind of like we're mm. doing oh, the blacks cool. a favor by letting them come into our schools. And then that just morphs into the microcosm that, that, that Candace just spoke about, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. But, but speak more about your, your, your school experience, right? And mm. whether you were othered or teased by South African kids. Because I remember I went to a high school that had predominantly foreign national um, students. Majority mm. of the kids in my school was Zimbabwean, right? Mm. But we still had South African kids tease them, call them very derogatory names, you know, those Jeez. particular jokes that are, you know, allocated to the foreign kids. Did you have that or were you just Candace? Um, I think I, I, I literally only experienced the double burden of being a black woman in, um, in the high school that I went to. Um, and, and it was partly because I never really spoke a lot about where I was from, where my parents were from. Um, I think oftentimes the only time I had to speak about it was when uh, teachers and students mispronounced my surname. So they would say Chiwa or Chewy or Chura, you know, like, and then they would ask, oh, where's that surname from? And I'm like, it's from Malawi. And like, oh, where are you from Malawi? I'm like, no, I'm from South Africa, but my parents are from Malawi. And like, oh, okay, cool. And then that's it. Like, there wasn't any other conversation besides, like, you know, asking about Malawi probing about you know like what it's like being a Malawian nothing I think oftentimes the only form of stigma I, I faced often was being black in a model c school that quote-unquote accepted all but really didn't um and it was just really really tough I think because it, it was that thing of where I had to really mold myself to a point that I think I didn't even identify who I was just so that I could just make it, barely make it. And it's not to say I was popular, but I at least had, like, a group of friends, right? And even in that group of friends, just I just had to assimilate, you know? Like, start yeah. watching TV shows I'd never, ever, ever think of watching. Like, I like Vampire Diaries, but in my <laughs> teen years, I was like, what am I doing watching Vampire Diaries? And it was only <laughs> no, because... Oh, dear God, no, that's not I, what you should be watching. You know, and it was only because I had to have some form of conversation with the group of friends that I was with, you know? Like, mm. I couldn't talk about Basketball Wives because they didn't watch hey. it. You know, I couldn't talk about Real Houses of Orlando because they didn't watch it. And even then, wow. with the other black girls, it was like, okay, we can talk about it briefly, but when you now are sort of coming together to speak it's now seen as like an offense on school property. Like, what are you doing? Yes. All the black people coming together. Is something happening? To talk about black things. You know, you? there's a fear. It's so like exactly ex exactly what I was talking about last week when mm. we had Renea on the show and I said, you know, when we would speak uh, South African languages and Model C schools, we weren't allowed to do that. Like, our yeah. white teachers would literally say, like, you can't come talk that language here. Right. Not even, like, be able to label the language. They can't even tell the difference between Sutu and Kosa, but mm. you can't speak that language here. Mm. So That's ridiculous. I, I hear like, you. That just doesn't even, in, in my little American mind, I will say, that doesn't logically make sense to me. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> logically make sense. Like, do you know it's, where it's you confusing. are? Like, it just doesn't. Mm. In Africa. Literally, in like, do Africa. you know where you are right now? Like, are you aware of the history of the land you stand on? Like, hello? Like, that, I, I just mentally can't, I can't mm. fathom that making sense to someone. And yet, that's the world we live in. So, I guess technically, yeah. it makes sense. But, yeah, I think, I'm just I think like, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I think I would have had more difficulty if I didn't, if English wasn't a first language, right? But like I said, yeah. I think because yeah. my dad was, was worked really hard to get the education that he did 
um, and then came to South Africa knowing that, like, you know, working hard as a foreigner is really difficult, and I'm in a very privileged position where I can support my family. Let me make sure that the only language that my kids know is English. So he only made it a priority that we learned English and that we're really, really, like, good at it, you know, because in as much as he can speak his home language fluently, he only does it so with his friends and his and 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 my mother and that's it. He doesn't really he didn't really see it as a gateway to progressing in life, you know, cuz in certain in certain societies there are certain languages that you need in order to progress, so English and French, yeah. right? But for him he was yeah. like so long as my French. daughters know uh, yeah, French. French that like in us, I'm like thinking context. United name, you know, like if you want to work in like you know Switzerland or they always just like French or you know, so cool. So my dad was just really in that mindset to say, I really want to see my daughter succeed. I really want them to live a really well life, and let's just make sure that they have all the tools that are necessary for them to just survive. So let's give them the the whitest of names. Because I'm just like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. What is Candace? (laughs) Like I'm just like Candace. Out of all the what like, is. What is you Candace? know, <laughs> what is Candace? Like, I'm just like Candace, okay, you know, and it's like Candace Chirwa, and I'm like, okay, fine. And then my sister's name is like Lena, and I'm like, what is Lena? Like what? You know? So I get it, you know. And and we both are very, very well spoken, and you know, we're very very educated. And mm. my dad worked really hard to make sure that we would never have to face any form of oppression with regards to our heritage and yeah. i mean he can't protect me from being a woman and being black but at least he tried his best yeah. to make sure that you know my daughters are secure in that so yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 interesting it's very interesting yeah wow. so take me back to grade 7 2008 candace who sees this man burning or sees it on the news um what does that what does that do to you? What does that do to your family? What do you talk about at home? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you have cousins back home that you're in touch with, but what what does 2008 xenophobic attacks across South Africa, what does that do to Candace? Mm. Look, I think just like 9-11, it is one of those incidences that you watch and then you sort of keep, you, you sort of process it like, is it a movie? What is going on? What's happening? Mm. And then you just keep it moving. I think maybe mm. perhaps I had that conversation with my parents and I just can't recall it happening. But I don't ever remember my parents saying, don't go out or, you know, make sure you don't say your surname or... Because mm. I think, like I said, we were just in a position where I was okay. Um my dad really worked his best to protect us from any form of like um attack and if it did happen for instance like someone mentioned like just commented on my skin color or my hair my dad would literally turn the the school upside down you know just to make a point that this person don't mess with this person so and also i will also make a point that my dad raised very confident girls to say that if someone attacks you if someone ever like puts you down (laughs) make sure you fight back and case in point Mm. i remember i know my 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 examples of going back to racism but maybe it's because like (laughs) with xenophobia i've maybe just sort of like like tucked these memories or instances away because i've just been so numb to it i don't know but I just yeah. recall how a boy pulled my braid out in class. And mm. in that moment, oh I was like, I could either just start crying or I could fight. And I was just like, mm. I'm going to fight. And I took a calculator <laughs> and I threw it at his face. Like, yes. Whoa. I was just like, you know, that's the type of girl my dad raised. You need to fight when people attack Absolutely. you, you know, like protect yourself, defend yourself. And that even comes to defending your family defending your heritage so i've never been in a situation in particular the high school environment or outside of high school where i've been attacked for my heritage and i Mm. i don't know why i think maybe because i haven't maybe because it was a thing of i wasn't flaunting it as much 
Um, yeah. You know, because I was trying to really flaunt the whole, let me try and assimilate, let me try and be a coconut, you know, um, mm. part of things. But that moment in grade seven, seeing that burning man was like, again, just an image like I see in, as 9-11, where I really thought it was a movie, you know. Um, and yeah. we didn't have conversations in the household to say, this is what happens in this country. This is what xenophobia mm -hmm. is. It was only until university when I really th learned about it from a political point of view. And then I, was, I had friends who, you know, come from Zimbabwe, who come from uh, DRC, who come from, you know, Zambia, who really were just talking about their experiences of, of schooling and their, their families having to fight. And like I said, like, I think because of the protection I, I can't say I, I, I've experienced discrimination full on. Um, mm. Yeah, I've never been called like a foreigner. I've never been called like the K, is it, I don't know what K word it is, but um, yeah. I've just never experienced that form of discrimination. Um, mm. And I would think because of my surname, people would be like, hey, where are you from? But most of cases, people mm. are always just like, oh, is it Zimbabwean? Is it Zambian? Mm. Oh, is it Malawi? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm from Malawi. They're like, oh, okay. You know, and I, I don't know, maybe it's what, maybe it's a thing of Malawian people are really nice or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. Like I said, I, I don't think I've taken enough time to really just investigate, like, how people treat me based on my heritage. Yeah. Yeah. I also mm -hmm. think, like, it's largely based on, like, the spaces you've been in, right? Like, yeah. That you've been able to grow up in a really comfortable suburban life, like you know mm. the, the one you talk like in terms of your, the fact that your parents worked so hard to provide that kind of cushioning for you guys um, mm. to go to Model C schools. I think the context would have been different if you were in the middle of a township, you know, yeah. in Clarkstorp. It would have been true. a different context, you know. But yeah, that's really really interesting. Mm. Do you do you go? Have you been to Malawi? Do you is, is that uh, is Malawi home for you? Is that like do you go back home? What is even home for you? Um, yeah, I mean, sure. The last time I was in Malawi was like what 2012, 2013. Um, and I, I look, I think because my grandmother's there and my mom's sisters are there, most of my dad's relatives have passed on. Um, it's been it's been one of those things where I learn about Malawi through my mom. So she's always just sending me like you know these images or videos, um, and I'm always learning about it like through how we cook together, and just also what I'm appreciating about my my, my heritage right now is the fact that my sister's getting married. So I'm getting to see the cultural aspect of you know how Malawians you know get married because um, mm. we are, we don't do labola but we do do a gifting ceremony and okay i usually i usually just you know see the videos through my mom and I'm like oh they're just giving gifts and they're just dancing it's a party but now having to live through my sister and plan this whole thing i'm like okay actually it's not just giving gifts and throwing money and it's a party you actually have to go through a whole process and i can understand why you know um and 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 I'm and I'm glad that I'm experiencing that now because I think within my uh, younger years and my teenage years I was just really cut off from like what Malawi was. I mean the fact that I was able to travel when I was in grade seven, grade eight, and then I went there again mm. um, just really shows that I I was very disconnected from what home really is, and. I think with the conversations with my mother, I've realized that home is really just it's it's my mother it's my mother's mother. Um, just the amount of love mm -hmm. that my my mother gives and how she gets her strength and draws her strength from her mother. I, I I lean onto that. I lean onto the amount of women that have cultivated me and that continue to root for me from for for like, I don't know how far Malawi is, but it's far, but every day, mm. it's just a constant support, and I think for me, like, that is and will always be home, and, you know, tickets are very expensive to Malawi, like, it's like, it's like a ticket to, like, Maldives, you know, <laughs> but Jeez. I at least, I at least know that I have a second home, and there are a lot of people that have walked before me that are still rooting for me from an ancestral background, like, 
Um, there's this funny thing that happens to me when I sleep. So I can't sleep without my sitenje. A sitenje is like a cloth, but it's been sort of like blessed by your maternal side of your family. Now, the thing about my sitenje is that there's only a specific sitenje that I can sleep with because it provides some form of comfort um, during any form of like, you know, negative vibes and energy during the night. Um, and it was only only when I was 21 that I actually discovered the the real reason behind it. When I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, I need this thing to help me with, with breathing because I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't breathe properly without it. Not knowing that there's mm. actually some spiritual thing behind it. And yeah, it was only yeah. when I was older and I started interacting more from my mom's side of family that I realized that, you know what, there's a whole side of people who are protecting me, that are rooting sure. for me. And it's not just living, it's also the dead. And it's mm. it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I guess that's where I get my energy and my passion for activism. Um, because believe it or not, but you can believe it, um, my... <laughs> Great great grandfather was the Minister of Justice in Malawi or Tinchirwa, mm. and he died in being incarcerated because he was fighting for the rights of the people. And I was like, I think I, I can see where I get my my activism from, you know, just yeah, to this is making pull sense stuff now. out. <laughs> and it's it makes sense, you know. I'm just like, okay, I'm I feel it strongly now, you know. Before I used to listen to these stories and I was like, okay, my dad, no, what is he saying? But I think now with my life's purpose coming together, I understand yeah. that like it's not just me living on this earth. I'm I'm walking this this earth with a purpose and I'm making sure that I'm not living out my dream, but I'm also living out my ancestors' dreams. And yeah. that's that's ultimately how I view my home, to make sure that my ancestors are happy and rooting and I'm just always making them proud consistently. So, yeah. I know it's not the usual answer, but I just thought <laughs> I would just no, be honest, okay. you know? Yeah. Okay. I just thought I'd be honest. Mm. That's all we ask on this on this uh, platform of all um, of our yeah. guests is that you all are honest and you speak on your truth. We hold ourselves, hopefully, to that same standard. We just want to be honest. Even if you don't like our honesty, like, that, that's a you <laughs> thing as the receiver, right? But, like, yeah. at least I give it to you and I offer it up to you um, for you to do whatever you choose to do with it. But yeah, that yeah. is your truth, mm. so hold on to that. Yeah. Mm. I love that. I, I think it's the perfect answer because it's your answer and it's your truth, like Maya said. Mm. Like, I'm, oh, man, chills, chills, <laughs> you know, just to be reminded that, like, you don't walk alone, man. We don't. Mm. And I think as African people, like, woo, it's so intense and so important to realize that, like, this this physical realm is not the only realm we, we, we are, yeah. you know, living in. You know, 100%. there's so much that protects you and covers you and walks with you. We are mm. never walking alone, you mm. know? You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that the whole realm thing, like, I don't know what, what it, like, it's a weird thing, but, um, for instance... When, when, when a death is about to happen in our family, we get physical signs that's, that something's happening. So, for instance, my mom's ear, no, 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 eyes twitch. Like, both of them twitch. And then, oh. for instance, my dad, he gets, like, this white, like, I would, would I say peeling on his back? So whenever we notice that, we're just always like, something is going to happen. And oh, no. I oh. never got it when I was young, but now as i get older i'm like this is this is weird like you can't explain this like yeah. you know you, you could yeah. get a doctor in and a doctor would be like yeah put cream and stuff but like i just feel like there's <laughs> there's something that is so spiritual there that is just speaking through to us physically and i think always mm. seeing that i always just know to i always just remember to live gently on this earth mm. to know that mm. like the actions and consequences that i leave ultimately have an impact on how i relate not physically to my peers on this earth, but also like m physically to my ancestors, you know? And yeah. it's always important yeah. that we just, we, just, we just remember that. There's so many people that worked tirelessly to get us to where we are now. And the least that That's we can true. do is just be kind to other people and also just appreciate and be grateful for everything that we have. And, and as much as it can suck and as much as it can be overwhelming, you know, like... I will say this again, you are your ancestors' wildest dreams. So live out your yeah. truth and live out your purpose and you will feel that support and you'll feel that like that this is what you're meant to do, you know? So yeah, I definitely 
don't take for granted the spiritualness of of ancestors i think i like i said i've seen it with my parents i felt it with how i've even slept and hmm. it's it's there for me at least you know so yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> just to wrap it up sorry yeah. Candace took us to a different space there. yeah that was sorry, a whole guys. other round than where I thought we were headed you know right <laughs> I love this this is what I love about this this, this, this is not much okay there's no structure here. we just we're gonna go we're gonna we go we give you questions we're gonna... we ask you things we listen to you talk and next thing you know we end up in a whole new destination than planned exactly okay? facts, exactly. facts. Okay. we end up in a different realm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just to wrap it up, Candace, mm-hmm. what do in light of xenophobia, in light of, you know, this being your home and and, and your physical home, South Africa, mm-hmm. how does your family um and your relatives back home in Malawi, how do they view South African people? What what is the impression that they have of this very interesting group of people here wow. in South Africa? Um wow. <laughs> Um, they think that South Africans are very outspoken, like extremely oh. outspoken. There's just something about, like, you know, you could be in, in a place and you can tell that it's a South African person because maybe they're just, they're just speaking about like something, you know, like South Africans just yeah. want to be heard essentially. Um, Naya would probably beg to differ because mm. every day I tell Naya about the South Af- situation in South Africa, she's always like, "Why aren't you protesting? Why that's aren't you guys that's r- so running the president over? Why aren't you staging a coup?" Because Americans—that's our thing. Like people are always yeah. like, "You can always tell an American out of a group because we're so loud, yeah. we're so like well-spoken." But what's funny about that is, depending on the region that the person is from here in America, it will depend on how outspoken you are. Like, if I go to New York, I'd be like, they're just rude. Because they're Mm, known for mm. being blunt and straightforward. They don't have filters, Mm. right? And Mm. then if I go down south, they're very, like, charming and very sweet. And if they don't like you, you're not going to know by their actions. You're going to know by (laughs) the way they say things. Like, it's very snood and snide type thing. Whereas here in the Midwest... We're a little bit more blatant with things. Like, we're blunt. Don't get me wrong. We're very blunt. But we're also, I don't know. Like, it's weird. Like, we try and cover it, but we're also not going to hide our our disdain for you. Like, it's just there. Mm, Yeah. Mm. I mean, I think I can can tell that when I'm, like, in Cape Town. Because Cape Townians will be like, are you from Joburg? And I'll be like, yes. And they'll be like, yeah, you just, there's something about you. Like, you just, you seem to be very, like, loud. And I don't know what that means, but... (laughs) You know, <laughs> like Malawians will then say South Africans are very outspoken because, again, Malawians are very like humble, peace loving, you know, they accept yes. things for the way they are. It was only like last year that they've decided to protest against the president who literally, like I said, like literally takes ballot papers, puts dead people's IDs, and won the presidency. And Malawians were like, the oh, heck? okay, we know this. The it's Lazarus effect. They were, la- they, yeah. were, they, were, they, were lax and they were lax, and then they were like, no, actually, guys we can't let someone like this win let's protest you know so and you know why because malawi now has a um economic freedom fighters chapter in malawi and economic freedom fighters is mostly known to be what out like outspoken and loud and they uh-huh. like to uh-huh. you know disrupt and economic freedoms fight uh, fighters is a south african political party so mm-hmm. you know like wow. that's what malawians that's what malawians like to know our uh, categorizes south africans were very outspoken um very stylish um, from what my uncle mm-hmm. say, like we have very good taste <laughs> when it comes to clothing, um, and very beautiful women, like extremely, mm-hmm. extremely. I, love that. Like, I will give us that top I love that. tier, <laughs> top tier women. So yeah, they, they that's just I think from the conversations I've had with my family members, that's what they've had to think about uh, South Africans. Um, politically, though, I think having this conversation with my with my um uncle he was saying i think there is an element of in in being entitled um Mm. that africans tend to skate over and not really see that like a lot of things 
Yeah, and I, I sort of disagree with him because, I mean, entitled in what sense if people are just asking for mm. basic things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, I, th- I, think, I think that's the, 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 the gist of the conversations I've had with my family members. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Completely unrelated and the beautiful woman uh, thing. Uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago, Naya sent me a message saying that she'd seen um, a trailer of one of the our shows on Netflix, and she's like, "Why are your wigs so bad?" Wow! <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, so it was a, it was just a question because I don't know what it is, but honestly, when I don't even think it's South African. I think it's literally just I hate doing this, but the African yeah. continent when Americans <laughs> see like African women wearing wigs, they're not usually good wigs. Like they're very stiff. Yeah. And it was just yeah. very weird to me because I'm like, I know what South African wigs look like. Like, me and Tuli have talked about this. I, I've seen her social media. Like, come on now. Like, yeah. I know what the everyday South African woman looks like. Like, yeah. it just doesn't add up. I'm like, I'm literally watching a commercial for a Netflix series. I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, why? I just, why? I had to explain to her that, you know, that particular series probably just had a really bad and really low budget, you know? It's yeah. Like, like a... Like the other <laughs> black guy in America who makes very terrible black content. Tell a period. But you know. Tell it. <laughs> she can't you say know, it. I'll so say it. I'm sorry. She won't say it. I would definitely say it. Okay. With pride. Okay. Come I think with you pride. guys need to have a rant much episode about Tyler Perry's um, <laughs> content. And please have me on that episode because I want to speak about a specific movie known of known as acrimony and i just like just let me rant let uh, me rant like, oh my god five minutes uh, on that episode because i have so much to say about tyler perry but yeah. okay but i also uh, have to say like i love okay this is gonna sound terrible because i'm sure the rant is probably with disdain for the movie but the one thing i do love about it is the fact that taraji filmed it in one day I do not care about what? the rest of She filmed the whole she movie filmed, in one day. She took a break, y'all, from Empire. Her schedule was so packed. She left Chicago to go down to Atlanta for one no day ways. and shot that movie. That's it. It was you know she what? had one that shot. That explains a lot. Sadly. I was about to <laughs> it say really like, it really does explain lie. a lot when you think about it, but I'm also just I'm like I have lie. so much <laughs> so much like respect for you as a person. Like the man has as an artist as an artist she's amazing like i just i just literally can't i'm always flabbergasted when i watch taraji perform but also like i feel like because i've read her book i also have more respect for tyler in a lot of different ways Mm -hmm. but i also have Mm -hmm. strong disdain strong as an artist strong strong disdain as a black woman strong disdain as a black person in america i have some appreciation but that's it that's it yeah true that's that's another that episode sense. for another day, guys. Like, Absolutely. I, I can agree. With, I can agree. Like, I appreciate the work he's done. Like, in terms of Amen. setting up the structures, like he has a studio, yeah. amazing. But the representation amazing. of black women, ooh, ooh. your network, you know, between what? him. And, oh my gosh, him and Oprah. You know what? This is a whole another conversation. You know we what? I know. Join us on the next episode, which will be a three-hour special where Candace comes back and we talk about the the representation of black women in Tyler Perry's movies, okay? If you want to hear more, you know where to find us. Candace, thank you so much for giving us your your, your evening and coming to talk with us. Uh, I had such a great time with you. I always do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated the questions more than anything. So thank you. You are so welcome. Guys, thank you for listening in this week. We will catch you next week with another episode of Rant Match. Bye. Who doesn't need a little self-care in the cold winter months? Glow with Red has got you covered. From scented soy candles, satin hair scrunchies, African black soap and raw shea butter, just to name a few of their amazing products. Follow them on Instagram at glowwithred underscore official and slide into their DMs to place your order. How about this? Use our discount code RANTMUCH10 and get 10% off your total order. This offer is valid from the 30th of June to the 14th of July. Glow with red this winter. Your best friend in self-care.